0: Chapter Twenty Four of Romola. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by David Goldfarb. Romola, by George Eliot. Chapter Twenty Four Inside the Duomo when Baldassare, with his hands bound together and the rope round his neck and body, pushed his way behind the curtain and saw the interior of the Duomo before him, he gave a start of astonishment and stood still against the doorway. He had expected to see a vast nave, empty of everything but lifeless emblems—side altars with candles unlit, dim pictures, pale and rigid statues, with perhaps a few worshippers in the distant choir following a monotonous chant. That was the ordinary aspect of churches, to a man who never went into them with any religious purpose and he saw instead a vast multitude of warm living faces upturned in breathless silence towards the pulpit at the angle between the nave and the choir the multitude was of all ranks from magistrates and dames of gentle nurture to coarsely clad artisans and country people in the pulpit was a dominican friar with strong features and dark hair preaching with the crucifix in his hand for the first few minutes Baldassare noted nothing of his preaching silent as his entrance had been some eyes near the doorway had been turned on him with surprise and suspicion The rope indicated plainly enough that he was an escaped prisoner, but in that case the church was a sanctuary which he had a right to claim. His advanced years and look of wild misery were fitted to excite pity rather than alarm. And as he stood motionless, with eyes that soon wandered absently from the wide scene before him to the pavement at his feet, those who had observed his entrance presently ceased to regard him, and became absorbed again in the stronger interest of listening to the sermon. Among the eyes that had been turned towards him were Romola's she had entered late through one of the side-doors and was so placed that she had a full view of the main entrance she had looked long and attentively at Baldassare. for grey hairs made a peculiar appeal to her and the stamp of some unwonted suffering in the face confirmed by the cord round his neck stirred in her those sensibilities towards the sorrows of age which her whole life had tended to develop she fancied that his eyes had met hers in their first wandering gaze but Baldassare had not in reality noted her he had only had a startled consciousness of the general scene and the consciousness was a mere flash that made no perceptible break in the fierce tumult of emotion which the encounter with tito had created images from the past kept urging themselves upon him like delirious visions strangely blended with thirst and anguish no distinct thought for the future could shape itself in the midst of that fiery passion the nearest approach to such thought was the bitter sense of enfeebled powers, and a vague determination to universal distrust and suspicion. Suddenly he felt himself vibrating to loud tones, which seemed like the thundering echo of his own passion. A voice that penetrated his very marrow with its accent of triumphant certitude was saying, THE DAY OF VENGEANCE IS AT HAND! Baldassare quivered and looked up. He was too distant to see more than the general aspect of the preacher standing with his right arm outstretched, lifting up the crucifix, but he panted for the threatening voice again, as if it had been a promise of bliss. There was a pause before the preacher spoke again. He gradually lowered his arm. He deposited the crucifix on the edge of the pulpit, and crossed his arms over his breast, looking round at the multitude as if he would meet the glance of every individual face. "'All ye in Florence are my witnesses, for I spoke not in a corner.' Ye are my witnesses that four years ago, when there were yet no signs of war and tribulation, I preached the coming of the scourge. I lifted up my voice as a trumpet to the prelates and princes and people of Italy and said, The cup of your iniquity is full. Behold, the thunder of the Lord is gathering, and it shall fall and break the cup, and your iniquity, which seems to you as pleasant wine, shall be poured out upon you and shall be as molten lead. And you, O priests, who say, Ha! Ha! There is no presence in the sanctuary. The Shekinah is not. The mercy seat is bare. We may sin behind the veil, and who shall punish us? To you I said, the presence of God shall be revealed in his temple as a consuming fire, and your sacred garments shall become a winding sheet of flame, and for sweet music there shall be shrieks and hissing, and for soft couches there shall be thorns, and for the breath of wantons shall come the pestilence. Trust not in your gold and silver, trust not in your high fortresses, for though the walls were of iron and the fortresses of adamant, the Most High shall put terror into your hearts and weakness into your counsels, so that you shall be confounded and flee like women. He shall break in pieces mighty men without number and put others in their stead, for God will no longer endure the pollution of his sanctuary. He will thoroughly purge his church." and for as much as it is written, that God will do nothing, but he revealeth it to his servants the prophets. He has chosen me, his unworthy servant, and made his purpose present to my soul in the living word of the scriptures, and in the deeds of his providence. And by the ministry of angels he has revealed it to me in visions. And his word possesses me, so that I am but as the branch of the forest when the wind of heaven penetrates it. And it is not in me to keep silence, even though I I may be a derision to the scorner and for four years i have preached in obedience to the divine will in the face of scoffing i have preached three things which the lord has delivered to me that in these times god will regenerate his church and that before the regeneration must come the scourge over all italy and that these things will come quickly But hypocrites, who cloak their hatred of the truth with a show of love, have said to me, Come now, frate, leave your prophesyings. It is enough to teach virtue. To these I answer, Yes, you say in your hearts God lives afar off, and his word is as a parchment written by dead men, and he deals not as in the days of old, rebuking the nations and punishing the oppressors, and smiting the unholy priests as he smote the sons of Eli. But I cry again in your ears. God is near, and not afar off. His judgments change not. He is the God of armies. The strong men who go up to battle are his ministers, even as the storm and fire and pestilence. He drives them by the breath of his angels, and they come upon the chosen land which has forsaken the covenant. And thou, O Italy, art the chosen land has not god placed his sanctuary within thee and thou hast polluted it behold the ministers of his wrath are upon thee they are at thy very doors savonarola's voice had been rising in impassioned force up to this point when he became suddenly silent let his hands fall and clasped them quietly before him his silence instead of being the signal for small movements among his audience seemed to be as strong a spell to them as his voice through the vast area of the cathedral men and women sat with faces upturned like breathing statues till the voice was heard again in clear low tones yet there is a pause even as in the days when jerusalem was destroyed there was a pause that the children of god might flee from it there is a stillness before the storm lo there is blackness above but not a leaf quakes the winds are stayed that the voice of god's warning may be heard Hear it now, O Florence, chosen city in the chosen land. Repent, and forsake evil, do justice, love mercy, put away all uncleanness from among you, that the spirit of truth and holiness may fill your souls and breathe through all your streets and habitations, and then the pestilence shall not enter, and the sword shall pass over you and leave you unhurt. For the sword is hanging from the sky, it is quivering, it is about to fall, THE SWORD OF GOD UPON THE EARTH, SWIFT AND SUDDEN! Did I not tell you years ago that I had beheld the vision and heard the voice, and behold, it is fulfilled? Is there not a king with his army at your gates? Does not the earth shake with the tread of horses and the wheels of swift cannon? Is there not a fierce multitude that can lay bare the land as with a sharp razor? I tell you the French king with his army is the minister of God. God shall guide him as the hand guides a sharp sickle and the joints of the wicked shall melt before him and they shall be mown down as stubble he that fleeth of them shall not flee away and he that escapeth of them shall not be delivered and the tyrants who have made to themselves a throne out of the vices of the multitude and the unbelieving priests who traffic in the souls of men and fill the very sanctuary with fornication shall be hurled from their soft couches into burning hell and the pagans and they who sinned under the old covenant shall stand aloof and say lo these men have brought a stench of a new wickedness into the everlasting fire but thou o florence take the offered mercy see the cross is held out to you come and be healed which among the nations of italy has had a token like unto yours the tyrant is driven out from among you the men who held a bribe in their left hand and a rod in the right are gone forth and no blood has been spilled And now put away every other abomination from among you, and you shall be strong in the strength of the living God. Wash yourselves from the black pitch of your vices, which have made you even as the heathens. Put away the envy and the hatred that have made your city as a nest of wolves, and there shall no harm happen to you, and the passage of armies shall be to you as a flight of birds, and rebellious pisa shall be given to you again, and famine and pestilence shall be far from your gates, and you shall be as a beacon among the nations mark while you suffer the accursed thing to lie in the camp you shall be afflicted and tormented even though a remnant among you may be saved these admonitions and promises had been spoken in an incisive tone of authority but in the next sentence the preacher's voice melted into a strain of entreaty listen o people over whom my heart yearns as the heart of a mother over the children she has travailed for God is my witness, that but for your sakes I would willingly live as a turtle in the depths of the forest, singing low to my beloved, who is mine and I am his. For you I toil, for you I languish, for you my nights are spent in watching, and my soul melteth away for very heaviness. O Lord, thou knowest I am willing, I am ready take me stretch me on thy cross let the wicked who delight in blood and rob the poor and defile the temple of their bodies and harden themselves against thy mercy let them wag their heads and shoot out the lip at me let the thorns press upon my brow and let my sweat be anguish i desire to be made like thee in thy great love but let me see the fruit of my travail let this people be saved let me see them clothed in purity let me hear their voices rise in conquered as the voices of the angels. Let them see no wisdom but in thy eternal law, no beauty but in holiness. Then they shall lead the way before the nations, and the people from the four winds shall follow them and be gathered into the fold of the blessed. For it is thy will, O God, that the earth shall be converted unto thy law. It is thy will that wickedness shall cease, and love shall reign. Come, O blessed promise! And behold, I am willing, lay me on the altar, let my blood flow and the fire consume me, but let my witness be remembered among men that iniquity shall not prosper for ever. During the last appeal, Savonarola had stretched out his arms, and lifted up his eyes to heaven. His strong voice had alternately trembled with emotion, and risen again in renewed energy. But the passion with which he offered himself as a victim became at last too strong to allow of further speech, and he ended in a sob. Every changing tone, vibrating through the audience, shook them into answering emotion. There were plenty among them who had very moderate faith in the Frate's prophetic mission, and who in their cooler moments loved him little. Nevertheless, they, too, were carried along by the great wave of feeling which gathered its force from the sympathies that lay deeper than all theory. A loud responding sob rose at once from the wide multitude, while Savonarola had fallen on his knees and buried his face in his mantle. He felt in that moment the rapture and glory of martyrdom, without its agony in that great sob of the multitude baldassares had mingled among all the human beings present there was perhaps not one whose frame vibrated more strongly than his to the tones and words of the preacher but it had vibrated like a harp of which all the strings had been wrenched away except one that threat of a fiery inexorable vengeance of a future into which the hated sinner might be pursued and held by the avenger in an eternal grapple had come to him like the promise of an unquenchable fountain to unquenchable thirst the doctrines of the sages the old contempt for priestly superstitions had fallen away from his soul like a forgotten language if he could have remembered them, what answer could they have given to his great need, like the answer given by this voice of energetic conviction? The thunder of denunciation fell on his passion-wrought nerves, with all the force of self-evidence. His thoughts never went beyond it into questions. He was possessed by it, as the war-horses possessed by the clash of sounds. No word that was not a threat touched his consciousness. He had no fibre to be thrilled by it. But the fierce, exultant delight to which he was moved by the idea of perpetual vengeance vengeance found at once a climax and a relieving outburst in the preacher's words of self-sacrifice to Baldassare, those words only brought the vague triumphant sense that he too was devoting himself signing with his own blood the deed by which he gave himself over to an unending fire that would seem but coolness to his burning hatred I RESCUED HIM, I CHERISHED HIM, IF I MIGHT CLUTCH HIS HEART-STRINGS FOREVER. COME, O oh BLESSED PROMISE, LET MY BLOOD FLOW, LET THE FIRE CONSUME ME. The one chord vibrated to its utmost. Baldassare clutched his own palms, driving his long nails into them, and burst into a sob with the rest. End of chapter Twenty Four.